Well, good morning and welcome again to Yontville Community Church Online. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. Uh, it's so great to have you with us. Uh, welcome to uh, all of you who have joined us uh, to worship our loving God, uh, to come and hear from His Word, uh, to pray in the name of Jesus Christ and uh, by God's Holy Spirit to have our hearts changed and worked on and transformed. Uh, we really hope that you'll uh, find that uh, voice of God today as we hear Him speak from His Word. We'll be continuing in our sermon series from Genesis chapter 1 to 11, uh, the foundations of uh, understanding about ourselves and about God and, and about what He's got us uh, on earth to do, His purposes for us. Uh, so we pray that that will be a blessing to you. Uh, I'll be opening the Bible in, a, in just a couple of minutes uh, on a tricky passage, Cain and Abel uh, and uh, the murder uh, that happened there, uh, a story of anger and revenge. Uh, so we'll need to prepare our hearts for that in just a moment. But a couple of uh, news items. We normally have our prayer meeting on the first Tuesday of the month, which would normally be next Tuesday. Uh, we've decided um, for the election's sake that we will uh, postpone that for a week so you can uh, watch the election coverage. Um, but we do encourage you to keep praying for the electoral process. Uh, we pray that you'll earnestly seek God in prayer and uh, allow him to lead you in how that you vote. Uh, and so we'll certainly be praying about the election uh, after our sermon today in our normal extended prayer time. And uh, Joanna will be praying for us uh, again today. Well, uh, for all of our news uh, here at church to keep up with all of that, uh, you can connect with us via our Connect card. We'd love to know what's going on in your life. Uh, or you can sign up to the e-newsletter and you'll receive uh, two messages a week from us, uh, two news emails a week, just to know what's going on here at Yonville Community Church. Uh, but for now, uh, that's enough uh, for notices. Let's sit back and uh, ready ourselves to hear God's word and to let him do his work on us by his spirit as we hear him speak. Hello everybody, my name is Charlotte Bidwell, Kids Minister here. I just want to point you towards our Kids video this week, which you can find under the Kids tab of our website. We are following along with Genesis as well, so we would love it um, if you could share that with any little ones in your life or even watch it yourself. They're really fun videos uh, and we really encourage you to watch them. But for now, let's read the Bible from Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 to 16. Please read with me. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. If it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Well, I grew up in the 1980s watching 1980s television. Uh, one of my favourites was The Incredible Hulk with Lou Ferrigno uh, from the Marvel Comics universe. Um, the acting was terrible, but that never seems to matter when you're eight years old. And the Hulk is a character that's been reinvented uh, every few years in cartoons and movies and most recently in the Marvel Avengers uh, franchise. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, of course, the Hulk is the alter ego of the mild-mannered scientist Bruce Banner, uh, who was accidentally exposed to gamma rays and now when he gets angry, he turns into this heavily muscled, rage-filled green monster. It's a kind of modern-day Jekyll and Hyde, if you will. Uh, though I suspect most of us know who the Incredible Hulk is, at least a little bit enough to know what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, in, recent, uh, in the recent Avengers movies, uh, Bruce Banner doesn't want to be the Hulk anymore. He tries to keep a lid on his anger. He doesn't like the out-of-control feeling of succumbing to the Hulk inside him. And there's this telling moment when the Avengers are surrounded by enemies and Captain America tells Banner, and now would be a good time to get angry. And Banner says, that's my secret. I'm always angry. He morphs into the Hulk and he joins the fight. I think a lot of us are like the Hulk. We're always angry. And it's probably no secret to those around us. Anger wells up inside us or, or bitterness or resentment. And there are wounds in our lives that we can't move past. And anger seems to always be seething just under the surface. Well, our Bible passage today is all about the consequences of uncontrolled anger. So I want us to enter into the story of Cain and Abel today. And I want you to enter into your own story also and allow God to speak into it. Because this story isn't just mythology, it's, it's here to teach us about our own tendencies. And it's here to minister to us, even in the midst of our darkness. So why don't we pray that God would teach us now as we open his word. Heavenly Father, you teach us that your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Will you work in us today by your word to convict us, uh, to change us and to make us those who are characterized by love, not hate, uh, forgiveness, not anger. And we pray this in the name of Jesus who prayed himself, Father, forgive them. We pray in his name. Amen. Rivalry. Well, last week as we continued uh, in our Genesis 1 to 11 series, we saw the great and grave consequences of Adam and Eve's sin as God sent them away from the Garden of Eden, away from the Tree of Life, and away from intimate fellowship, the intimate fellowship that they'd known with God at creation. 
Genesis 3 ends with a sense of foreboding, what will happen. But as we saw last week, there were also signs of hope. Adam gave his wife the name Eve because she would become the mother of all the living, Genesis 3.20. And Genesis 4 starts with Eve becoming pregnant and giving birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Eve recognizes God's part in the birth of her son. Despite being outside the garden, Eve still has a sense of God's provision. Cain's name is explained in the sentence we just read. His name means brought forth or acquired because God helped Eve acquire Cain. And then verse 2, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. From Abel's name, we can tell that this is going to be a showdown between the two brothers. Cain's name means acquisition. He's a getter. He's He's an acquirer. He's a person of substance. Abel, by contrast, is nothing. That's literally what his name means. It's the same word that's used at the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes. uh, When the teacher says, meaningless, meaningless, or Abel, Abel, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. And that's Abel. He's meaningless. He's nothing compared to his brother, the impressive one. I grew up with an older brother. Um, He's such a great guy uh, and I admire him in so many ways. Um, But growing up, we were constantly comparing ourselves to one another. Um, We still do now. It's about who has more gray hair. Uh, But growing up, we fought like brothers. And I'm sure it's the same for women who have uh, sisters close in age and probably any of us who have siblings. Sibling rivalry is a thing. Genesis 4 describes the sibling, a sibling rivalry between Cain and Abel. Abel kept flocks and Cain was a farmer. Uh, he, learned the so- uh, he worked the soil, we learn in verse 2. But the showdown comes in verse 3 when they each bring an offering to the Lord. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Two offerings are two different outcomes. Cain brings vegetables, Abel brings lamb. God is happy with lamb and not with vegetables. (laughs) Um, Well, if that were the reason I'm with God, we have amazing lamb in Australia and we're missing it here in the U.S., Uh, But there's obviously more to it than that. It's not that God prefers meat over vegetables. Uh, When you get to the sacrificial system laws uh, in the book of Leviticus, God tells us that he's just as pleased with grain or olive oil from those who can't afford a whole animal. That's Leviticus 5.11. And our passage comes hundreds of years before God ever spoke any rules about how to make an offering. This was just their free will offering. So what was it about the offering, was it, was it about the quality of the offering? Uh, we note that Abel brought the fat portions of his firstborn lambs. I would assume that Cain perhaps brought something inferior, maybe not his best produce. The text isn't clear. Uh, or was it about their attitude in bringing the offerings? The New Testament writer to the Hebrews says that by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. Uh, by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings, Hebrews 
11 verse 4. I have another theory. I wonder if when we look at their names, we get a hint of what was going on. This is just a theory. But, you know, Cain, he was the older brother. He was the acquirer. Maybe he brought a ridiculously grand offering to God over the top, hoping to impress God with his prestige and his his possessions. And perhaps Abel, the, the nothing brother, the meaningless brother, the younger brother, perhaps he brought just a few choice cuts, a pathetic offering beside his older brothers, a humble offering perhaps. We don't know. At the end of the day, we don't know what was different about the offerings, just the outcome. God was pleased with Abel, but not Cain. God approves of the younger brother and not the older. A reading on in Genesis, that becomes a bit of a theme, doesn't it? The younger brother preferred over the older. Jacob, who steals Esau's blessings. Joseph, the youngest of 12 brothers, ruling over his brothers. It's God's choice to bestow blessing and grace wherever he chooses. Perhaps that's what Cain couldn't handle. It left Cain full of rage. And that's our second big idea. Cain burned with anger. So much that it showed in his body language. His face is downcast. Perhaps he's got the angry hands. One of my professors always used to say, the body never lies. He meant that we always carry stress or anxiety or anger or sadness in our body somewhere whether it's tense muscles or stomach pains or or headaches. For Cain, his face, verse 5, was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Just pause for a moment. Isn't it a sign of God's grace that even outside of the garden that God would still speak to Cain? Like their mother, Cain and Abel still have a sense of God's presence, enough to want to honour God with offerings, And now in Cain's moment of rage, the Lord comes to speak with him. The Lord speaks tenderly, not in accusation, just wanting Cain to understand what is happening inside him. Why are you angry? I wonder what Cain would say to that question. I wonder what you would say to that question. What is it that makes us so angry? If you struggle with anger, I think that God is asking you that question today. Why are you angry? What is the source of your bitterness? Where did your resentment come from? And why do you think it's so hard to let go of it? Because the danger with anger is that it can consume us. Somebody once said, harboring bitterness and resentment is like swallowing poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. Cain is filled with rage and he retreats to his toxic thoughts. He lets them go round and round in his head unchecked. And still, God speaks tenderly to him. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Cain's anger threatens to turn into sin if he's not careful. Like an animal pounces on its prey, sin desires to pounce on us and overcome us, to consume us and tear us to pieces, to destroy us. Interestingly, God says to Cain, you can rule over it. It wasn't too late for Cain. And it's not too late for us to rule over the sin in our lives, to deal with it, 
to take steps to keep it at bay or, or to put it to death even. It's not easy. The oldest Christians amongst us will testify to that. Something, something like anger can be hidden behind smiles and silence for a long time. But the body never lies and the anger always comes out somewhere. For Cain, anger became murder. Verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Perhaps this was in Jesus' mind when he spoke about the similarity between murder and anger in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, Jesus said, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. For Jesus, there is a fine line between what we think and what we do. And the way that we think really matters. The Apostle Paul warned against letting our anger turn into sin. Ephesians 4.26 In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. There's something distinctly Christian about dealing with the causes of our anger, uh, seeking reconciliation where possible, offering forgiveness if possible. That's how God deals with us in our sin. And that leads us to our third big idea, revenge. Uh, revenge with a question mark anyway. Cain has murdered his brother. How will God respond? Well, the second half of chapter 4 is reminiscent of the second half of chapter 3. Just like God had asked Adam, where are you? Now he asks where Abel is, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, Cain replied. Am I my brother's keeper? When God confronted Adam and Eve with their sin in the last chapter, at least they were honest with him about what they did. Cain is not even willing to own up to what he did. Instead, he treats God with the same contempt that he treated his brother with. Dietrich Bonhoeffer asks, why does Cain murder? The answer is, in Bonhoeffer's mind, he murders out of hatred for God. See, was Cain really mad at his brother? Or was he mad at God for choosing Abel rather than him? Jealousy and resentment come from someone else having what we want or, or what we think we deserve. And many people end up angry with God because they think they deserve something better, something more or something different. And in their anger, they sin by pushing God away, cultivating hatred for him and killing him off in their own minds. That's what we do as humans. But not God. Just like he did with Adam and Eve, again we see God step into his creation. He makes himself available to Cain. He speaks tenderly to Cain. He counsels Cain. He points Cain away from sin and towards righteousness. And even now as he responds to Cain's sin, God will still offer a measure of grace. Because our God is not a God of revenge. He's a God of restraint. A God of second chances and third chances and 77th chances. He's a God who longs to see his wayward people come back to him. Verse 10, the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from, 
from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain's curse is twofold. His livelihood as a farmer is taken away from him. And more than that, he'll no longer find a home anywhere. He's destined to wander restlessly. And Cain recognizes the significance of this curse. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. It's no subtle irony that Cain is worried about being murdered. It's Cain who's brought murder to the land and now he has to live with the consequences. Cain expects that somebody will take revenge upon him, presumably one of his brothers or perhaps even his own father. Revenge is the currency of anger. And in our minds, it promises to deal with a problem. But that's rarely the case, is it? God could have avenged Abel's blood. He could have killed Cain on the spot. Or he could have sent Cain away to be murdered, exactly as Cain had predicted. But our God is not a God whose primary emotion is anger or revenge. Our God's primary emotion is love. His primary response is to seek grace and blessing and reconciliation. And so rather than seeking revenge, God restrains those who would seek revenge upon Cain. Verse 14, whoever finds me will kill me, said Cain. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and he lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It strikes me as we read this account that we're not so different from Cain. There are degrees of anger, yes, but sin crouches at each of our doors, desiring to have us. In 2005, Sufjan Stevens wrote a song about John Wayne Gacy, uh, the serial killer who murdered 27 people and hid their remains under his floor. The song has haunting melodies, it's, it's fitting, but the part that I can never forget is the last few lines. And in my best behaviour, I'm really just like him. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. God told Cain that his brother's blood was crying out to him from the ground. There's nowhere we can hide our sin from God's gaze. And no amount of scrubbing ourselves clean or putting on our Sunday best or smiling politely that will hide the blood we've shed. We're really just like him. But that's not the end of the story. Because one day, hundreds of years later, another would pour out his blood into the ground, murdered by those who thought they could bring a better sacrifice. But they were wrong because Jesus, the Lamb of God, died as the perfect offering for sin. And now God looks with favour upon all who come to him, relying on the sacrifice of Jesus on their behalf. A Jesus' blood doesn't cry out for vengeance. Instead, it proclaims forgiveness for all who are washed in it. This is the heart of the gospel. 
Be the God who longs to speak quietly to us, to counsel us, and to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from sin. Will you listen to his voice today? Let's pray. Father, this is a difficult message and a difficult topic as we're asked to open up our hearts to what's going on inside. Father, we pray that you would do your work by your Holy Spirit, that your word again would go in and divide soul and spirit. Father, where we have sinned, please bring forgiveness. Where we're harboring resentment, please bring peace and calm. Give us a measure of forgiving others. Father, where we need to seek help, help us to do that so that we're not overcome by sin, that we're not devoured by it, but instead we can live lives of righteousness as your Holy Spirit directs us and changes us to do. We pray all of this knowing that in all things, if we come to Jesus, if we rely on him as our offering to you, that you will look upon us with favor. So we come in the name of Jesus with these prayers. Amen. My name's Joanna. Please join with me in prayer. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, we give you great thanks that Jesus, the Lamb of God, died as a perfect offering for our sin. We know and trust, Lord, that you look with favour upon all who come to you relying on Jesus' sacrifice on their behalf. As Christians, Lord, we pray that we are known by our forgiving attitude to those around us, that we pray for those who persecute us, and that we are peacemakers. We bring before you our federal election. Father, please bring peace and calm to our nation. May your people turn to you in prayer for guidance, wisdom and comfort. May your sovereign will be done. Father, we pray for those who are mourning, that they would be comforted. For those who are lonely, that they would know that your presence is always with them. For those who are struggling with anxiety and worries, we pray for contentment. Help us to turn to you, acknowledging you as our Lord and Saviour, to have grateful hearts for all that you have done for us in Jesus and to be prayerful. We thank you, Lord, for church, for Bible studies and the freedom we have to share the good news of Jesus with others. Help us as your people to love and follow you in all aspects of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, I hope you've enjoyed Yonville Community Church this morning, a challenging passage I understand. I had to uh, work through it this week and let it work on me this week. Uh, But we pray for you that uh, if anger is one of your uh, particular issues uh, or in the lives of somebody that you know and you're ready to go and seek help about it, that you will go and find professional help. I'm I'm going to include a link in our e-news this week uh, just to a short article about how Christians can... uh, engage with their anger and think about how to respond to it Um, and there's also a link to our counseling service there too but for all of us we're so thankful that god in his kindness doesn't count our anger against us when we come to him in jesus christ so we pray that you'll go into this week trusting in the lord jesus as the only offering that we can bring to god for him to look upon us with favor Uh, so we'll see you next week Uh, Until then, goodbye and God bless.